So I went to Kentucky one time to hold a meeting for a fellow that was a Southern Baptist doctor. But he's the first man that I've ever helped one that was a double doctor. He had two doctor degrees. He said, I said, are you a double doctor? And he said, yeah, I'm a double doctor, Brother Norville. I says, well, praise the Lord. And he had more people, now listen closely, he had more people in his church than they had in the town. They come from everywhere. There's more people that went to his church than was the population of that city. And I went to his church to hold a seminar. And I'd been teaching, you know, if you were here last night, you know how I taught, if you ever listened to my tapes, you know how, basically how I teach. Just basically trying to get you to believe God. Trying to get you to stand on God's word and not take no for an answer. Because God has your answer. I don't, have, I don't know everything, but God does. And so I was teaching along that line for a couple of nights. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the doctor came to me and says, going to call me one morning and says, you know, Brother Norval, after hearing you teach for two nights, I told my wife this morning, you know, he might be able to help that boy. And, he's, and my wife says, I believe he can. I believe Brother Norval could help him. I said, what boy? Well, he says, we have a young boy that's in his early 20s from our church that's intensive care over at the hospital. Now, he was supposed to die last night. The doctor said he would die last night. But we called this morning. Now, listen closely. Now, you need to hear this real bad, not miss a word. We called this morning, the doctor's wife said, but, and we found out that he's still breathing every once in a while. I said, still breathing every once in a while? Yeah. And said, the doctor wants to know if you'd be willing to go to the hospital with him because the family is setting up over there at the hospital. So he's a sharp young man. They got him intensive care and there's no hope for him at all. He's supposed to die last night, but he's still breathing every once in a while this morning. I said, sure, I'll go with him. Just come over here and pick me up. And I said, we'll go right now. I'll go with him. So the doctor came over and picked me up and we went in to the hospital and went to the intensive care part. And the doctor talked to, and we walked in, we saw all these people sitting there like this. And I said, boy, this is a sad looking bunch if I've ever seen it in my life. But always remember this, the Holy Ghost that lives inside of you is not limited his knowledge is not limited to your sad face. You understand that? The Holy Ghost does not change. I don't care how sad you look. I don't care what. He never changes. Now listen closely. And the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you when you get born again, He never has any kind of thoughts except victory thoughts. 
He never thinks about death or defeat. Death and defeat is not in the vocabulary of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus said the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he'll come and teach you all the truth about God. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will teach you all the truth about heaven. But he never will manifest himself unless he has scripture for it. The Holy Spirit is sent to the earth to live inside of you and never leave you and never forsake you when you're born again. But he's been sent to the earth to be a performer. And he performs the word of God. He will perform what God's already said. He'll perform the whole book of Matthew for you if you need it or any part of it that you need. And he'll do it for you anytime. That is, that anytime that you'll believe it. Anytime that you could make up your mind and get your faith strong enough that you refuse to let doubt come in. Doubt will damn you forever. Doubt will separate you from God. Doubt will cause your body to be racked with pain and diseases for years and years and cause you suffering for many, many years. Doubt is from the devil, my brother and sister. It's not from God. God has nothing to do with doubt. The book of James says, don't even let that man that doubts me, God said in James, don't even let that man that doubt me think he's going to receive anything from God because he's not going to receive. He's not going to receive, God said. Not going to. Pray until your teeth falls out. You're not going to receive if you doubt God. You can't doubt God. And sit around, sitting around an intensive care room like this, It's what you call first-class doubt. That's the height of doubt. Sitting around somewhere waiting for one of your loved ones to die. You ought to be in the hospital chapel somewhere rejoicing in God and throwing your hands up and worshiping God and bringing them before God and climbing health for him and praising Almighty God and worshiping him and telling the devil, Take your hand off of my nephew. Take your hand off of my child. Take your hand off of him. I bind you, you crazy devil. I bind you in Jesus' name. Let that young boy go free. His whole life is before him. I bind you, I said in Jesus' name. I bind you. Go to the hospital chapel. I bind you. In Jesus' name, Satan, I bind you. I bind you. I bind you. I hold his spirit here. You are not going to kill him. I bind you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And you keep on and on and on. You might say, Brother Dovo, I never did do that. It's because you don't know how. Always remember this. You can only do things that you know how to do. Bus drivers cannot fly a jet airplane because they don't know how. 
The Holy Spirit, my brother and sister, Jesus said, is here to teach you all about heaven and all the Word of God that you'll ever need. The Holy Spirit is the great teacher. He is the great teacher and He's always scriptural. He's a great teacher. Everybody say great teacher. And so the doctor began to talk to the registered nurse at the door. You couldn't go in. It was locked. You, could, you, you couldn't go to intensive care. But he went there. He got the attention of the nurse. And she came to the door like this. She said, he says, well, my name is Dr. So-and-so from a certain, certain church. And I have a friend here that's with me that we would like to come in and pray for a certain, certain boy that's our church. She says, well, I have orders from the doctors that nobody's allowed in to see him. Now listen closely. Nobody's allowed in to see him except his parents. And his parents can only stay by the bedside two minutes at a time. Then they have to leave. Then after a while, they can come back in and stay two more minutes. That's all. Because his breath is nearly gone completely. Laying there unconscious, but he says, my friend here that's holding a meeting at my church, we just want to come in and we'll just, let us come in and take two minutes. And we won't bother him, we'll just stand by the bed and pray. And she said, well, okay, doctor. She said, if you'll just take two minutes, you can come in for two minutes. Two minutes now and stand by the bed. I'll come and get you in two minutes. He said, okay. He said, Brother Noble, we've only got two minutes. So we walk in. Now the young boy is about 21 years old, 22 years old, and he was married to a girl, looked like she's about 19 or 20. Now they let her sit by the bed all the time, 24 hours a day. But the parents could only come in for two minutes at a time. Let, let, let the wife sit there all day long by the bed. And I go in, I see this little girl sitting there, you know, 19 or 20 years old. Sad looking little girl. Sitting in a chair like this, looking at her husband. Sharp young man, kind of skin and bones though. Laying there in bed with all this stuff on him. And he was, I never saw a human being breathing like that. Just lay there unconscious. He's breathing like this. <clears throat> Made this kind of a noise. When he would inhale, it'd sound like this. Did. 
After a while, then he'd go, <clears throat> exhale, he'd go. Wait a long time, then. Doctor, the doctor says, Norval, let's pray. So we stood there and agreed and prayed and asked God to help him. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus, for the Holy Spirit that knows everything that lives inside of me. So we got through praying, just a real short prayer, and asked the Lord to help him and bless him and touch him. And I'm standing up towards the front of the bed, like this, back, you know, his wife's sitting here in a chair, and I'm standing kind of like this, the doctor's standing down there, you know. And so, he said, nurse said to him, it's up, your time is up. So the doctor says, all the time is up. We just, so we just walked like this. I got towards the foot of the bed, maybe, maybe a, a step or two beyond the foot of the bed, down towards the foot of the bed, a little bit beyond it, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost inside of me jumped and said to me just as plain, I mean, said to me just as plain, said to my spirit just as plain, Mark 11, 23 would heal him. Now listen closely. Mark 11, 23 would heal him if it was obeyed. The scripture never helps you until it's obeyed. Well, when the Spirit of God said that to me, I wheeled around like this. And I, I went back over to the little girl by the bed, and I said, hey, little darling, I said, listen, the Spirit of God just said to me that, that, the, that Mark 11, 23 would heal him if he's obeyed. You know what's in there? No. I said, well, it's in there about confession, about confession. I said, you can have what you say. So just sit right here and, and begin to say, my husband will live and not die. My husband will live and not die. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my husband. My husband will live and not die. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my husband. Thank you, Lord, for healing my husband. My husband will live and not die. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my husband. My husband will live and not die. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my husband. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my husband. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my husband. My husband will live and not die. And I said, now listen, say it all day long. Don't ever stop saying it. Say it for hours. Say it thousands of times. And then you could rest a little while tonight as soon as you wake up, sit in this chair and say it again. And say it all day long. If your voice gets tired, rest a little while and start again. 
Now, you got it straight? She says, uh, <clears throat> I, I think so. I said, well, just say it. Say it. Let, let me hear you say it. She says, uh, thank you, Jesus, for healing my husband. My husband will live and not die. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my husband. My husband will live and not die. I said, you got it. You got it. You got it. She says, okay. Thank you. She says, no, no, no. You're welcome. But keep on saying it. Show me. Show me. You're going to keep on saying it. Keep on saying it. Keep on saying it. I had to leave. I says, keep on. Keep on saying it. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my husband. My husband will live and not die. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't ever stop. Don't ever stop. And he'll live. The Lord told me he'll live. Don't ever stop. Keep on. Keep on. Keep on. And so I went, out, I went out the door, her saying that. Well, I left town uh, one more night. I was in the meeting, I think, one, one more night. And the next day that he is still living. So I left town and went on to another meeting. And so I go back to that same church to hold another seminar about six months later. That same doctor. And before the first night, he said, before Brother Norville comes and teaches the first night, I have a testimony for him that I want him to hear. He said, young man, would you come up here? And I didn't know what it was. Young man, would you come up here and give a testimony? So some young man gets up and walks up beside of the church, walks up like this, you know. Gets behind the pulpit. He says, six months ago when Brother Norville was here, I was in the hospital intensive care dying. No hope for me. I was unconscious. The doctor says there was no hope. But he came in, him and the doctor, our pastor here, and prayed for me. Then my wife said he turned around and said the Spirit of God told him and taught her what to say, how to change the situation. And she said she began to say what he told her and said, she said it thousands of times and thousands of times. Thank you, Lord, for healing my husband. My husband will live and not die. Always remember this. Whatever you give God thanks for, before you see it, he'll let you see it. Didn't you know that? Everything you give God thanks for out loud without shame, before you see it, He'll let you see it. I mean, something he's promised you in the Bible. I don't, don't go out here and say, I thank you, Lord, for making me the governor of Missouri. Thank you, Lord, for giving me all the property in downtown St. Louis. Well, he don't promise you to be governor in the Bible. He don't promise you the property in downtown St. Louis either. I said what he promised you in the Bible. Don't start thanking God for wild, crazy things. Anything God's promised you, he'll give it to you. Or if you desire it and you can handle it, he'll give it to you. Not only what you need, he'll give you a lot of things if you'll thank him for it, if you can handle it. He will make you rich financially if you can stand it. But now if you can't handle money, then he won't do that. If money drives you crazy, makes you sin, makes you backslide, then he won't do that. And said, my wife began to obey that. And she said, and I began to get better slowly, day by day by day by day. 
Now listen closely. He said, now then, I am completely healed and I am the youth leader of this church. Glory to God forever. And so I talked to his wife a little bit later and I said, now listen, Johnny, let me ask you a question. How long did you confess that before you saw any kind of improvement at all in him? Well, she said, Nova, when you and the doctor came in there and you told me that, I was just sitting there waiting for him to take his last breath and so was all of his relatives. But when you told me that, said, I began to obey what you said and said, I began to thank the Lord for healing my husband and I began to confess that my husband will live and not die. My husband will live and not die. And I said, now don't waver in your faith. Keep on saying it. You understand? Keep on saying it. Keep on confessing it. And so uh, she said, all that day and that night and the next day and up towards the next night, I guess probably in the afternoon, about two days went by, I, I began to notice that his breathing was beginning to get a little bit stronger. And I just kept on doing what you said to do. I just sat down in the chair and look at him and say, my husband will live and not die. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my husband. My husband will live and not die. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my husband. My husband will live and not die. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my husband. My husband will live and not die. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my husband. My husband will live and not die. Thank you, Jesus, for healing my husband. You might say, is that scriptural? If it wasn't, I wouldn't be teaching it. God didn't call me to teach a book that I wrote. He called me to teach the Bible. And the Holy Spirit said to me that, the Holy Spirit said to me, Mark 11, 24, I mean Mark 11, 23 would heal him if Mark 11, 23 was obeyed. Because see, God knows the Holy Spirit will perform Mark 11, 23 for anybody. Now, now get that. Don't let it pass over the top of your head. I said, Jesus knows that Mark 11, 23 will heal you, will heal anybody, will bless anybody if it's obeyed. Faith is dead without action. I just closed my Bible, walked out of the auditorium, you know, and I'm walking down like this, you know, in the lobby of the hotel, come out, I just came out of the ballroom, the door of the ballroom, started in like a hallway down towards the lobby, and I'm walking like this with my Bible, and all of a sudden the lady says, a voice said over here, a woman's voice said, uh, Mr. Hayes, she said, I don't believe what you teach. I said, oh, really? I said, don't worry about it, neither does the devil. <laughs> and she says, well, the reason I don't believe it is because it's not true. Oh, 
oh, I said, it's not true. I said, okay. Now you're talking like you know a lot. All right, let's you and me make a deal. I kind of took a few steps toward her. I said, let's you and me make a deal, my sister. Now, first of all, if you'll tell me what I taught this afternoon that wasn't in the Bible, first of all, I'll apologize to God. Then tomorrow afternoon, I'll apologize to the convention when I teach and tell them I'm sorry. Then I'll apologize to you and tell you that I'm sorry. Because God called me to teach the Bible, not some off-the-wall stuff. I says, now, okay, go ahead and tell me what I taught this afternoon that's not scriptural, that was not in the Bible. Tell me. She says, well, I don't know. I said, what do you mean you don't know? You just got to make it a bold statement not to know anything. She says, well, I don't know. I says, well, why would you stop a teacher at a convention and make a statement like that when you don't know anything? If you don't know what you're talking about, why would you stop me? Well, should I stop you because what you teach don't work? Oh, I said, now then you're saying, well, I don't know that you taught anything but it wasn't in the Bible, but what you teach don't work. So you're saying the Bible don't work. Well, I, no, I didn't say that. I said, oh, yeah, you did. Oh, sure you did. Always remember, when you know what you're talking about, don't let human beings humiliate you. I could come out of a meeting, I could come out of a meeting, and, and three lawyers could be standing out there, and the mayor could be standing out there, and, and, and a judge could be standing out there, and, and Billy Graham could be standing out there, and they could all stop me and say, now, 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 Mr. Hayes, we don't believe what you talk. I said, who cares what you believe? Oh, you would? I said, yeah, I would. You said that, right? I said, who cares what you believe? I said, now, if you would tell me what I taught that wasn't in the Bible, I said, then I'll apologize to God. I said, but now I can care less what you believe. I'm interested if Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John believes it or not. I'm not interested in what you believe. I'm interested if the Bible believes it or not. If it's in the Bible. I'm not going to teach nothing that's not in the Bible. She said, well, Mr. A, I says, uh, she says, uh, 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 this is the reason that I say this is because my husband died, I think she's at the age of 42, 41 or 42, with cancer. I said, so? Well, she said, but she said we prayed and, and we believed. A lot of people pray and I prayed and we prayed and we believed the Lord was going to heal him. Right down until he took his last breath, and he believed that the Lord was going to heal him. He believed that the Lord was going to heal him until he took his last breath. Right down to his last breath, he believed that the Lord was going to heal him. And and, and and we prayed, and me and a lot of my friends prayed, and we believed the Lord was going to heal him. And he died. She says, "Now see." I said, I don't believe what you teach. I said, well, and all of a sudden when she said that, the Lord gave me a scripture. Now listen, listen to this, listen. And the Lord said, flag her down. She's on the wrong road. Flag her down with this scripture. Now tonight, sitting there in your seat here at this meeting, 
if you're buffeted with some kind of an affliction or some kind of disease or you're buffeted with things you're not supposed to have and you just can't seem to get rid of them, uh, you're on the wrong road. Now, I don't mean you're not a good Christian. You're on the wrong road. You need to let me flag you down and get you on another road. If I can get you on another road, a road of truth, you say, well, I love the Lord, Norval. I say, no, 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 sir. This has nothing to do with loving the Lord. I'm sure you love the Lord. It's evident you love the Lord or you wouldn't be here. You know, you wouldn't be in this place. You wouldn't be in this community if you didn't love the Lord. Because we don't represent the devil here. We try to praise the name of Jesus here and worship him. But uh, she says, well, my husband died and the Lord gave me a scripture. She says, flag her down with a scripture. But of course, I picked up what she said anyway. He, my husband prayed, and I prayed, and my friends prayed, and the whole family prayed, and we believed, and my husband believed that the Lord was going to heal him right until he took his life. Now get this straight. Look at me, church. Look at me. The Lord is not going to heal anybody. First of all, your believing is unscriptural. So when your believing is unscriptural, always remember this. When your believing is unscriptural, then you don't get the attention of God. He just sits there. And let you pray until your teeth falls out. He don't do anything. The Lord is not going to heal anybody. The Lord has already healed you. He has the straps on his back to prove he's paid the price. It's up to you now to accept him as your healer. And talk like he is your healer. And talk like he is healing you now. That's your responsibility. It's not, well, I'm trying to pray in a way where I can get God to make up his mind, to have mercy upon us, to come in this room and heal this person. There's no such thing as that. Amen. Forget it. Totally unscriptural. There's no such thing as that. Jesus said, well, Jesus said, well, I'll do for one, I'll do for the other. So the Lord says, flag her down. I said, okay, lady. I says, and you have your Bible right there? She said, yes. I said, turn your Bible, please, to Mark eleven twenty three. So she turned her Bible, like the same thing in Matthew 21, 21, uh, Matthew 21, 22. But I said, turn your Bible to Mark eleven twenty three. She said, okay. She turned her Bible, I said, now follow me real close because the Lord, see the Lord will always flag you down to the scripture. I said, now follow me real close. I said, this is what, I said, you, you believe Jesus, don't you? She said, oh yeah, I believe Jesus. She said, I led the Lord. All right, she said, I said, Jesus says right here. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed. And the Holy Spirit always shows you how to teach it to them so they'll get it. <clears throat> and I said, See? There you are. She says, What do you mean that I am? I, I don't see that. I said, what do you mean you don't see nothing? She said, I don't see, what do you mean? I don't see anything. I said, oh, okay. I said, now, look, look down again. Follow me real close. Now, you believe Jesus, don't you? She said, yes. I said, you love the Lord, don't you? She said, yes. I said, okay, I'll take you a step further. Look at the bottom part of verse 22, the last four words. Jesus said in red letters right here, it says, have faith in God. I said, you know what God is? She says, yeah. 
I said, no, you know what God is to you? Well, he loves me. I said, God is the Bible. First chapter of the book of John tells you that. I am the Word. I was the Word. I am the Word, and I'll always be the Word. Forever, and forever, and forever. And he said, I've sent my Word to heal you. Now you might say, no, but what did you kick for? I didn't see nothing there. What did you kick for? I didn't see anything. You kicked. I did. I did. Go ahead, take God. Hallelujah. God is the Bible. God is the Word. If I've sent my Word to heal you, Now I've told Jack over and over and over and over and over again, just like I've told you. Jack, I don't care how much you and Simone stand there for hours and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and teach until your brain nearly falls out. Teach and teach and talk and talk and teach and teach and talk and talk. I said, Jack, if you and Simone, if you can't get a person to repeat what you're teaching them, they're not going to get no permanent help. Now the Lord might manifest himself that, that week and, and move upon them and, and, and help them to a certain degree, but you're not going to get no permanent help unless they repeat what you're telling them. They have to repeat on their own. It, it takes days to get people to do that. They have to repeat what you're saying. They're going to have total freedom. In Jesus' name, I am free! Oppression go from me! I will live and not die. All kinds of things. You got to teach them how to talk. I said, so look down. I said, she says, have faith in God. Now, my sister, that means have faith in the Bible. She says, I said, you have faith in the Bible, what Jesus says? She said, yeah. I said, all right, now listen closely. Jesus says, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be there removed. I said, Glory to God. Isn't that wonderful? Praise the Lord. And she says, I don't see nothing. She says, what do you mean? Isn't that good? Praise the Lord. She says, I, what do you, uh, I, I don't see anything. I says, what, what do you mean? I said, now you see why your husband died, don't you? She says, no, I don't. I said, you don't see why your husband died? She says, no, I don't. I said, oh. Let's go over it again. I said, now, lady, now don't, I don't want to act like a smart lady, but I said, let me ask you a question. You do understand English, right? <laughs> she said, yeah, I understand English. I said, well, all right, just, just check it. Just follow me real close, I'll make it slow this time. Jesus said, now, you believe Jesus too, right? Oh, yeah, I believe Jesus, all right. He said, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be there to move. I said, now then, that's why your husband died. I said, see? She says, no, I don't see anything, Mr. Hayes. I don't see nothing. Absolutely nothing. I don't see nothing. What do you mean that I see? 
Use his name, son. Use his name. That's all right. Okay. Okay, lady. All right. What's your husband, what's your, what was your husband's name, honey? I said, I want to help you if I can. I said, anybody that's got little enough sense as you have to stop somebody and scream at them and, oh, and I don't believe what you say. I said, I've got, I've got little enough sense to take up a lot of time with you and help you. So what is your husband's name? So she told me her husband's name. Let's say it's John Smith. I said, all right. Now, do you believe the Bible is written for everybody? She said, yeah. I said, okay. All right, and I'm going to leave out some words in the scripture, and I'm going to put your husband's name in there. She says, oh. I said, all right, now follow me. Jesus is talking. I said, do you believe the Bible was written for you? Do you believe the Bible would, would work for your husband if he believed it? She said, oh, yeah, I believe the Bible would work for anybody. I said, all right. Jesus said, For verily I say unto John Smith that John Smith shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed. She said, I said, you don't get it? She says, get what? <laughs> well, by that time, I wanted to do like this. On top of her head. <laughs> then I saw it. Then I saw it. I said, okay, okay, I got it. I got it from the Lord. I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. All right, now then follow me, lady. Follow me. Look down. She says, for verily I say unto John Smith that John Smith shall say unto this cancer be thou removed when I said that it got her attention she backed up and she went and while she's staring at it, I says, Now, Mrs. Smith, let me ask you one question. Just one question. Did, now listen closely. Now listen to me, this will rescue you. Did you ever hear John Smith? your husband talking to the cancer. And saying, be thou removed. She said, uh -huh. no, sir. And then she became normal. She wasn't normal until that time. She was a hyper woman. She was mad at me. But at that moment, she became normal. And with a soft voice, she said, No, Mr. Hayes. I never saw, I never heard my husband talking to a cancer. 
I said, do you see it? She said, the tears in her eyes, she said, staring for quite some time at the truth which God's word is always the truth so help me God she looked at me and she says Mr. Hayes God she said do you mean to tell me that that we were only one verse of scripture away from his healing I said, now, Sister Smith, what does it say? I'm not the judge of your husband. I'm not the judge of nothing. God didn't make me a judge. God's the judge. God don't need anybody to judge him. God's word don't need to be judged. It holds its own, brother. God's word holds its own of truth and victory in the worst of circumstances on this earth. God's word will speak loud and strong with beauty, with light, with victory under any circumstance if you have an unwavering faith. And you'll just simply obey the Lord Jesus Christ and what he said to you. She says, Oh no, oh no, oh no. She said, Mr. Hayes, don't tell me that we were on the one verse of scripture. She says, My precious husband could be living right now. Right now. She said, I'm still a young woman. I said, yeah, I know you are. My husband could be so living right now because of one verse of scripture. I said, Well, I'm still not the judge, but let me ask you a question. Do you see it? Do you see it good? She said. And finally she went. Scripture can save your home, you know. One verse of Scripture can save your family. One verse of Scripture can save your life. The Bible, my brother and sister, is a lifesaver. Jesus is a life giver.
After she got through crying, she's probably one of the sweetest ladies I ever met in my life. She looked at me. Said, Mr. Hayes, God, oh God, how can you ever forgive me? She says, Brother Hayes, please forgive me. Please forgive me. I have no business judging you. I was trying to judge what you were teaching for what happened to my husband. So would you please forgive me? I said, oh yeah, I'll forgive you. Sure. I said, don't, don't, don't worry about it. Don't hold anything against you. I said, do you see it? Should I see the truth? Mm-hmm. Your husband did not do that. What Jesus said for you to do, your husband did not do it. Is that right? She said, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. She said, Mr. Hayes, if, if he had done that, and obeyed Jesus and obeyed this right here, he would still be living, wouldn't he? I said, uh-huh. Yeah, he would be. Why would he be? Because the cancer would disappear. I want you to start teaching my children how to talk. I said, what do you mean, Lord? He says, well, they don't know how to talk. He says, I tell them, I tell the church in my word, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed. And he says, my children don't obey that. He said, they don't talk to the mountain. He said, they want to talk to me about their mountains. Listen, what he said is unscriptural. God isn't talking to you about your mountains. He don't have anything to do with mountains anyway. God don't have anything to do with your disease. He didn't put your disease upon you, your affliction. Anything you have to cause you harm didn't come from God. God does not put things on human beings to cause them harm. All the good things come down from the Father of lights. Meaning all good things come from God from heaven down to earth. My brother and sister, heaven is another world. It's not this world. Heaven is another world. And it's a world where God lives. It's a world where there is no defeat. And there is no sickness. And there is no blindness. And there is no bad colds. And there is no flu. There is nothing. Heaven is a world of perfection. Do you understand that? Well, if heaven is a world of perfection and you've been born again by the blood of Jesus, you've been born again by the Spirit of God, your name is written in heaven. And when your name is written in heaven, that means you're a citizen of that world. Heaven is another world. Heaven is not this world. It's another planet. It's another world. It's the only real world there is. All the other planets and all the other worlds, including this one, including you, Came down out of heaven, came from heaven. Came
mouth of God. God spoke planets into existence and spoke stars into existence and spoke the sun and moon, spoke this world and spoke you into existence. God speaks things into existence. The whole world, the whole universe, God speaks things into existence. If you're ever going to have anything, you will too. You'll speak it into existence or you won't have it. You can have some things, but I'm talking about big things. You can have some things by natural learning because you're a natural human being living in a natural world. But you have a spirit living inside of your natural body that's been reborn by the Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of your natural body. That's where all the trouble comes in at. The Holy Spirit lives inside of your natural body once you accept Jesus and repent of your sins he comes in to abide with you forever to never leave you never forsake you and all he wants to do is sup with you all the time and you sup with him sup with you all the time and you sup with him all the time God's number one driving motivation is not it's not to make you rich and it's not to heal your body and not to give you a miracle. God's number one consuming fire and desire within him is to have a relationship with you. Do you understand that? God wants you to accept his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as your personal savior and repent of your sins and ask the Lord Jesus to come into your heart. 